All right. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Sales Pipeline Radio. I am your host, Matt Hines. Thank you very much for joining us. If you are joining us here live in the middle of your workday and work week uh, as we begin December uh, 2021, thank you very much for joining us on LinkedIn. If you are here with us live, this is your opportunity to be part of the show, to make a comment, to ask a question of our of our host today. We're excited to have you here. Uh, if you are watching on demand uh, or listening on demand for our podcast, thanks so much for downloading, for subscribing. Uh, if you like what you see here today, we are every week talking to some of the best and brightest minds in B2B sales and marketing. Uh, we have over 300 episodes now, all available on demand at salespipelineradio.com. Check it out. You can listen to it on your way to work at the gym. In the shower, wherever you go, wherever you listen to podcasts, not my business. But anyway, uh, excited to have joining us today, uh, author and speaker uh, of at Servant Selling and the author of the book Selling with a Servant Heart, uh, Jim Doyle, uh, live from Florida. Jim, thanks for joining us. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Matt. I'm so privileged to be here. So this topic, as we mentioned, as you're we talking about before, very important to me. Like one of my early mentors uh, really was he... he he was, I, I recognized him as a servant leader um, before he told me there was a book about that, that he sort of followed sort of somewhat of a methodology. And, you know, to this day, he's still someone that I look up to that I think really lives that. And, you know, I think, you know, in, in no matter whether you're running a company or whether you're just like, you know, an individual contributor, there's an opportunity to be the servant leader. And if, if you take that servant leadership opportunity and you apply that to selling, that's something I definitely want to talk about and make sure other people hear about as well. So maybe a little bit of your story and background and, and how you came to uh, really focus on this. So uh, I 30 years ago, I started a company uh, that uh, went from, uh, you know, broke all the time to broke only some of the time to uh, uh, we had a we had a wonderful run. And we do sales training and revenue development for TV stations around the country. I think this year uh, that company will serve about uh, 82 television stations in 82 different markets around the country and a big on-demand platform. So, so we had a wonderful run. Uh, I hired a CEO about a year and a half ago, and uh, uh, she decided uh, brilliantly that I had control issues and that I uh, <laughs> needed to move aside. <laughs> and and uh, one day in uh, some quiet time, I, I try to get quiet every morning, and uh, one day in some quiet time, I got the idea for the title of this book. And um, I wrote it down. And the, the title of the book is called Selling with a Servant's Heart. And I wrote it down. And a couple of days later, you know, like you do, Matt, I've got some trusted friends. And I, I reached out to a couple of those friends and said, what do you think about this? And I got the reaction that was your reaction when you um, uh, introduced me and, and just, wow, that's pretty cool. So my experience was in media. So, you know, 30 years of training advertising salespeople. And I wanted to write a book that, that was broader than that. And so I went out and interviewed 35 of some of the most incredible salespeople that I've ever met in my life um, and in a variety of different businesses and mm -hmm. everything from uh, people who sell RVs. One guy sells more RVs personally than I think 90% of the RV dealerships do. It's an wow. amazing, amazing story to, to financial advisors, to people in consumer goods, to people selling insurance, uh, you know, all, all kinds of different uh, products. And what I was trying to figure out was what do they do differently? So it's yeah. really interesting. I, I didn't really know much about Robert Greenlaw's work. I had mm -hmm. gone to one or two words. Robert Greenlaw wrote the servant uh, uh, leadership book. Uh, and uh, I, I went to one or two workshops where it was talked about. And like you, I think I, it was aspirational to me. Uh, and I certainly 
had some experience with leaders who were that way. Uh, but I, I became more familiar with the book as I interviewed uh, some of these uh, sellers and just really said, what do they do? And it's exactly what Greenlaw describes, which is, in fact, the first chapter of the 10 lessons I distilled from these interviews is I work for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in servant leadership, you know, a servant leader believes that the, that the people in our company, that I work for the people in our company, um, it flips the, you know, top down command and control paradigm. And uh, uh, in many ways, that's what servant sellers do. They have um, an extraordinary commitment, not to not just to customers, because I think that can become cliche, but mm-hmm. to outcome. Mm-hmm. 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 Uh, yeah. they're, they're obsessed by can I get the right outcome for the customer? Well, and, and doing that well isn't always saying yes. It's not following the customer's lead. It's understanding and sometimes asking questions and reframing problems. And it, it sounds very challenger-esque if, you know, if you're familiar very with the challenges on challenger I'm customer. Very much, I'm a big fan of that book. Uh, in fact, one of the 10 lessons uh, uh, that I wrote uh, was the customer is not always right. Right, right. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm disrespectful in any way. But yeah. But I have a responsibility if I'm a servant heart. So if I'm if I'm committed to that customer, I have a responsibility to lovingly and gently share with them when I think what they're doing may not make the most amount of sense and be the best investment of their money. So let's dig in. That's one of the things I wanted to dig into because I think, you know, I mean, we're we're consultants, right? So we're working with clients, and it's it's we are the product. Um, and you know, it, especially with people that are sort of earlier in their career it can be daunting to say, I think we should do this differently. So I'm curious, like, I mean, obviously if you build a reputation and a, of, of trust and credibility and, and empathy and respect, you, you have an environment to be able to respectfully say, I think there's a different way of doing that. But like, how does someone who hasn't done it, who might be scared to think about having to disagree with a client, how do you go about doing that? Well, first of all, I think, one of the mistakes that I see a lot of sellers make is they base things too much just on their opinion and their gut instincts rather than really on a deep understanding of the business issues that that customer is facing. So, um, you know, I'm sure that uh, Matt, like us, we, we teach and and have taught forever um, the power of really in-depth diagnosis. Servant heart sellers take that to another level. Uh, You know, I'm sure uh, another speaker, a colleague of mine, Rory Vaden, who's built a very successful business. And Rory um, uh, talked about, uh, interestingly, by the way, Rory and a number of the other people I interviewed said that this was not their default. Being a servant heart seller was not their natural way to be. Um, And I, I find that a lot. I think probably for me, it was not at first my natural uh, way to be. I loved every seminar I ever went on closing. <laughs> just, you know, and I, I, I know 17 ways to close a sale. Uh, but I think to go back to your question, I think that servant heart sellers uh, practice what Roy Drayton calls acute listening, mm-hmm. which is listening so intently, not listening just to ask the next question, right. but listening to hear the answer. Friend of mine, this is a great uh, uh, insight. Friend of mine produced a, a 60 minutes like show and he said when they were interviewing like bad guys or people they were interviewing for an interview they got the most compelling sound after the answer was given you know instead of rushing right in to ask the next question shut up mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Nature reports a vacuum. They'll keep talking and they'll sometimes give you the most interesting stuff. Once I, once I really have a clear understanding of the business issues, when I express disagreement with a customer, it's not my opinion. I mean, I guess it is at some level, but it's always, you know, you said this was the issue and here's what I think might be a better way to solve that. Right. And, and, I, and I think, you know, we can't just say no, we have to say no and here's what might be the, the better alternative. Well, I heard a couple things you said there. One was just, you know, knowing enough about the business and their issues to be able to ground it in that, which I think is really important. Um, I think also, you know, coming and doing something that is evidence-based versus just your opinion, right? And you could argue, and that way you're not arguing about your opinion. You're, you could debate whether the evidence is valid or important. And I think that approach, like taking that approach for someone who may be early in a relationship with someone or doesn't have a long, you know, standing set of trust and credibility with someone, it, you still come across as immediately credible. It sounds like you've done your homework. It sounds like you've thought about this versus just spouting off. You just said something really important. In fact, I, as you said it, I would thought, you know, um, I don't think you have to be working with a client for a year or two to develop trust. I think that uh, servant heart sellers get to trust pretty quickly because uh, even before they go in to do their diagnosis, they're coming in armed with questions that are really significant business questions. Mm -hmm. It's no longer, you know, how long have you had your company and all the other stuff. I mean, frankly, years ago, I trained people to ask all those questions. You better know that today before you walk in and you better know a lot more than that. And so it is doing your homework. I think if you do your homework and if you come in with humility, I, I, one of the things I wrote in this book is that uh, uh, it really struck me as I interviewed these people that humility is a sales word. And that humility means what? That I don't have the answers. Right. That I don't think yeah. I know everything. Right. And that I go in with an attitude of service and curiosity. And that, I think, allows me to get to a point of trust way faster than about 90% of the sellers uh, do. Talking today on Sales Pipeline Radio with Jim Doyle, uh, who literally, I would say you just published it, but it literally isn't out until next week. So you go to Amazon. December 7th, yeah. Yeah, December December 7th. 7th. Uh, Selling with a Servant Heart, uh, December 7th is available. You can pre-order it now on Amazon. (laughs) I highly recommend this book. I I think if you're an individual contributor, if you're an individual seller, you're going to benefit from this. I think like the hat I look at with this is a couple other ones. One is sort of as a leader of a company, but also someone who's working with leaders of teams. Like we work with a lot of chief marketing officers, chief revenue officers. How do you go about taking the idea of being a servant seller and create a servant selling culture? Like what are some elements to make that happen? Such a great question. And, and uh, I actually, uh, wrote the 10 lessons and then realized that I needed to write material for managers after I wrote yeah. the 10 lessons uh, for exactly that reason. You need a sequel. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I wrote it in that, it wrote it in this book, you know, one sale, you get it all. Uh, but uh, I, uh, you know, one of my favorite lines ever, Neil Dempster, a, a colleague of mine, in the National Speakers Association says, uh, when a ship misses the harbor, it's seldom the harbor's fault. <laughs> So, you know, you, you know, you're never going to pick up the you're never going to pick up the paper and say plane crash in Tampa passenger error. Uh, yeah. It's it's, you know, so the role of leadership in establishing a culture. And I think 
uh, you know, there's so much that we could talk about with that alone, do a whole nother show about that. But yeah. I would say yeah. two, two things. One is uh, people do what they, they don't do what you ex- what you expect they're going to do. They, they, they watch you. You know, I one of my earliest bosses said, Jim, if you want people to come in at 830, you need to be here at 815. You can't come walking in at 845. Right. If I want to create a culture of servant selling, then I have to personally be a servant seller and evolve mm-hmm. to that and not always not always make that instantly. The other thing that I uh, learned from the interviews in this book is that the leaders of servant heart sellers have to understand that these people will sometimes forget who they work for. They're so committed to customers that they'll sometimes fight with you. And mm-hmm. if you um, if you keep if you totally reject uh, what they believe is the right thing for the customer, they'll find another place to work. Um, but you also sometimes have to remind them that, hey, you know, you've got two bosses here. The customer is your boss and and uh, we sign your paychecks. And so can we make this work in a way that's right for both of us? Yeah, I, I love it. And I think it's so important. Um, it, it's just an important approach that so many people can take. And I think, you know, we literally earlier today, we're doing a webinar with a company. We were talking about just something as tactical as like following up with, you know, leads from an event. Um, and a lot of times you sort of, you do the event, you invested all this time in the event, you want to go right for the kill and you want to say what kind of pipeline came out of this. Right. And so right. like, I, I know a lot of companies struggle with how to sell with a servant mentality or how to build value and be a credible, um, sort of ambassador for the customer and how that sometimes conflicts with the idea that I still have to make my number. Like I need to try to hit my number. I need to try to get some deals across the line. Um, how do you help people sort of put those two ideas together and see that they can in fact be symbiotic? You can hit your number and still be a service seller. Not only that, um, if you looked at the people that I interviewed for this book, they blow away their numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, the, the first title of the book, the, the first word in the title is selling. I mean, I love selling. This is a book about selling, but right. it's about selling with a different approach. Uh, so I think, you know, I think the thing as a leader is, as I led sales organizations, I used to believe that budget had to be a standard because we live in the real world. You know, we have companies, we have financial expectations, but if budget is your only standard, here's what you end up with. Uh, I'm in a conversation with a group of sales managers. We're talking about team members and one of them is pushing back. You know, uh, you know, I don't think he's that great. And somebody else is saying, but he is, he is, he is Tom. Well, Tom said, why do you say that? Well, he's making budget. And my friend Tom said, one of my great favorite lines, he said, he said, budget hell. He said, if they were bad last year and they're 10% over bad this year, we call them good. <laughs> well, so budget can't be your only standard by which you judge. I, I share one quick story. I know where, where but Justin Gurney, uh, I, I met him through a referral and interviewed him for this book. This guy had what would be a dream job for me. He worked for the NBA. He oversaw ticket sales on all their teams. His mm-hmm. job was to bring best practices to all of the NBA National Basketball Association teams. So you probably, Matt, have gotten the calls that I've gotten from major league teams trying to sell you tickets or suites or Right. Mm-hmm. And he said 90 percent of the, of the sales effort is is, you know, dialing for dollars to your point about how do I follow up on a pipeline of leads? And if you've opened an email from us, we're going to call you probably quicker. He said, but in every one of the NBA teams, there was an outlier. The outlier did it differently. The outlier yeah. 
spent time with a customer. How would you use this suite? What kinds of entertaining would you do? Yeah. Where do you think you could have the best benefit? Mm-hmm. He said two things he learned. Guess who the most successful sellers were in almost every one of those teams? It was the outlier. Yeah. Because yeah. what they had, they had found the need, they built the relationship, they built the trust. And he uh, went on, when I interviewed him, he was uh, uh, doing that, uh, running sweet sales for the New Jersey Devils. You talk about a tough job, the pandemic, <laughs> the pandemic. You're yeah. not playing hockey. Your, yeah. your team shut down. A lot of teams laid off their sales staff. The Devils kept theirs, and they continued to write business with a building that wasn't open and a team that wasn't playing um, b- because of that kind of relationship. I don't, yeah. you know, I, I I was always the, you know, go out and make 100 calls guy, and I think today I'd rather have you make 10 great calls. Yeah. Well, and I think when you can invest in that, you know, in building that trust and credibility, when, you know, people see the, the authenticity that comes across in this type of an approach and, it, it, it also can, I think, be, become an incredible competitive differentiator, right? I mean, you know, someone else can have, you know, 12 more features or, you know, whatever they have. But if they believe that you have their best interest in mind, it, it, talk about that as a short and long term competitive advantage for companies and sellers. You know, it's uh, 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 I'm sure that you and your consulting work deal with this issue all the time, which is the increasing commoditization of all products and services. Right. And uh, 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 the last lesson that I came out of this book with is I refuse to be a commodity. Uh, Dave Wall is the guy that I mentioned who's the RV salesperson. He sells these million dollar, $2 million coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy is incredible. He's got a 60% repeat business and 30% referral. You know, when your churn is virtually non-existent, uh, mm-hmm. that sets a base that it causes you to have a lot of good years in a row. Yeah. Uh, he he is so incredibly focused on on serving the customer, um, and his coaches are typically five hundred thousand dollars more than his closest competitor. So when he talks about it's not just customer service. He knows his product cold. He knows mm-hmm. how to explain the differences between the coaches. And he knows how he's, he spends more time in the beginning uh, trying to find out from his customer, how are you going to use this coach? Where do you plan to do it? Will you be on the road a lot or will it be parked for long periods of time? And uh, in the period, in the course of doing that, I had a client of mine. This is a tough client of my client of our, of our consulting business. He was the guy who referred me to Dave. And I was like, man, if he's impressed by Dave, he's got to be good because <laughs> I don't think he was ever impressed by me. So uh, no, he was. But we, but he, he, he just he went on and on and on about this guy, and uh, that's how you stop being a commodity. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, I know we're gonna have to wrap this up. Um, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Listen, if oh, if anyone. Thank you. Oh, yeah. If anyone wants to learn more about Jim, uh, uh, servantsellingbook.com, you can you can pre-order a copy of the book there. It's available on Amazon, of course, as well. There's an excerpt available for free. You can also you can check out uh, Jim's blog and sign for his newsletter. Lots of great tips on an ongoing basis. Servantsellingbook.com. Check it out. Jim, thanks again so much for doing this. Oh, thank you, Matt. This is so much fun. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for watching and listening. Appreciate your time. We'll be back next week, every week, uh, 1130 Pacific, 230 Eastern on Thursdays. My name is Matt Hines. We'll see you next week on Sales Pipeline Radio.